Thank you. Cheers. Good morning, good morning. Are you feeling good? Yeah, good, 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 good. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've done a little bit of a travel, getting deeper with God and His Word. Uh, how has that been for you? It's still going over in your mind. Good. And we've gone uh, deeper with our love for one another. I heard some conversations about, oh, you've got to be sensitive to that one and so forth. So we're thinking about that and also deeper with our partnership with Israel. Got a lot to think about in that one. So this morning, we are looking on the back of the resurrection. We are looking at going deeper with our faith. Faith. Now, I've got an acronym for you. (laughs) So, uh, faith. Fearlessly appropriating now it's not about me it's about John you can finish it off okay at the end of the camp you can finish it off okay and then let me know so faith are fearlessly appropriating and then you can finish it off okay I'll let you do that (laughs) all right so we're looking at a deeper faith and um, this is such I, I think this is such a crucial and yet an an amazing uh, truth to look into. Because I watched you guys singing that, some of those songs and so, at some stage you got louder and louder. And I believe it's because you were expressing your faith. Um, but sometimes when you're away from the music and you're away from the campsite, God is looking for us to keep shouting And it's all because of our faith. Now, just quickly turn with me to a couple of passages before we look at the real passage we're looking at tonight. And um, we're looking quickly at Luke chapter 24. I don't think it'll be up there, but that's okay. Um, By the way, I I just didn't have a photo of Joe, so I... uh, (laughs) I thought it was Joe. Okay, so Luke chapter 24. So we go back to Luke chapter 24 again. And uh, what a wonderful passage this is. Uh, We're looking at verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem, 11 kilometers. And they were talking with each other about these things which had taken place. Now, while they were talking and discussing Jesus himself, approached and began travelling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognising him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking uh, and said, well, they, they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? Remember, he's talking to Jesus. So this is is just hilarious. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened over these last days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word and in the sight of God, 
and all the people. And how the chief priests and the, and the rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things have happened. And also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the woman had said. But to him they did not see. And he said to them, and this is it, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had said. There was an incredible challenge there. Foolish. And why did he call them foolish? Because they simply did not believe his word and him. And if you go over to uh, John chapter 20, I won't read that whole portion, but I'll read right at the end. You remember when um, the disciples were there and Jesus visited them and it just blew them away. And then Thomas came afterwards because he wasn't there. And they told Thomas and he says, I will not believe until I touch into his hands, until I touch into his side, until I see it for myself, I will not believe. And then the Bible says in John chapter 20 that uh, after eight days, verse 26, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas with them Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst, shalom. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here with your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas dropped to the ground, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. And then it finishes off, therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in this book, but these have been written so that you might believe. So we're all blessed today because we haven't seen Jesus physically. But we believe the word of God. And, and, and so the challenge for us, afresh this morning, is will you go deeper in your faith? Will you and I take up the challenge wherever God is pressing into your life in terms of faith? Will you believe God? Or will you continue, or will we continue to go by our feelings? Or by the things that we cannot see and feel. It's the challenge of faith. If you turn with me to uh, Judges chapter 7, uh, I'm sorry, Chris, I know your Bible study group are going to go there, but this is just a preview. <laughs> All right. So if you go to Judges chapter 7, we're looking at um, and the incredible story of Gideon. And Gideon this morning is going to challenge us with this area of going deeper with our faith. 
So here we go. Are you ready? Only a short passage I want to read this morning. Chapter 7. Then Jerubbabel, which is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and camped beside the spring of Herod. Now, let me give you some context with this. The, the, the people of Israel were constantly in a cycle of obedience, disobedience. It's just like our kids. Obedience, disobedience, obedience, and God disciplined them. And sometimes it was, it was long discipline. Sometimes it was shorter. But nevertheless, he allowed them to be oppressed so that they would come back and obey his word. So on the back of Deborah and her leadership, God had given them 40 years of peacefulness. And then, as per usual, God's people strayed from his word. And so God allowed the Midianites to come in and oppress them for seven years. And it was difficult. It was hard. Every time they, they, they put down a crop, the enemy would come in and steal it. Every time that they would raise up cattle and sheep, the enemy would come in and steal it. It was tough. And so God, as he usually does, turns up. They cried unto God in their hearts and with their mouths, and he turned up again in his faithfulness. And he turned up to a man named Gideon. And I love the way that God called this man. He just simply comes to him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And here's Gideon saying, uh, if the Lord is with us, I'm not sure you understand, why is this happening to us? Where is he? Where is the Lord? And uh, by the way, uh, he, he's abandoned us into the hands of the Midianites. I don't get it. Why, why do you say what you're saying? But again, the angel says, go in this your strength. So where you're at, go. Where you find you are at. And deliver Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Again, Gideon says, well, hang on. Um, my family, they, they're the least in Manasseh. We're, we're the small ones. And I am even smaller in my family. But God says to Gideon, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midianites. You shall do that. Well, just like all of us, Gideon wants a sign. Don't you want a sign sometimes? You know, Lord, I don't know whether he's leading me into this ministry or this pathway. So can you please give me a sign? So God in his grace, you know, said, yeah, sure. So Gideon says, wait here. He went over there and he cooked up a, a, a broth, got some unleavened bread, and, and, and he brought it all over and he put it before the Lord to sacrifice before them. And the Bible says that the, um, the, the unleavened bread and, and such were put down on the rock and they poured the broth and the fire of God came and consumed it. And Gideon got his sign that God was serious. And so here we are in chapter 7. We find ourselves here. Um, the camped. They're ready. 
Gideon has, has summoned all the warriors from all over Israel, and that um, is 32,000. Big number. But they were going against an even bigger number. Multitudes more. And so Gideon's here with, with, this, with this group of people. But even before they had found themselves at this place, Gideon still does not take God at his word. And so he asks for another sign. And it's the sign of the fleece. Now, I don't know... You know, I know that God speaks to, to us in different ways and, and, and he, um, he allows God's his own word to, to teach us differently. But as I have grown older in the Lord, I, I don't like the fleece. I realise that God still answered his prayer, but I don't like the fleece. I remember when I first got saved and hung around our friends, a lot of them went with youth, YWAM, Youth with a Mission, for these short-term missions. And they were fired up, absolutely fired up. And they says, bro, can you come and pray with us because we're going to put a fleece before the Lord. And so we all thought that we were spiritual because we put the fleece before God and he would answer the fleece prayer. And so the fleece, um, Gideon says, uh, Lord, uh, if I put the fleece on the ground and uh, it's, it's, it's wet on the fleece, but it's dry all, all around, I will believe that you will deliver the Midianites into my hand. And so God is up there and, and he just, you know, mm, okay, no worries. Mm-mm. <laughs> and, then, and the next time he looks at it, it's all dry but it's wet on the fleece. Or is it, oh, I better have this the right way around. <laughs> yeah. It was, all dry, it was all dry on the fleece and it was wet all around. And then he says, but Lord, one more time, if it's the other way around, I will believe that you have called me. And God again patiently waits and says, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Uh, it's the other way around. And so Gideon, chest pumping, says, God has called me to deliver Israel from the Midianites. Well, hang on. Did he, not, did he not do that over here twice? Did he not say in his word, you're going to deliver? But as, as, as all of us, we want a sign. We want to be able to go under the trees and a breeze just goes across our face and we go, ah, oh, yes, God's called me to this ministry. Or we want, to, we want to just feel something or see a burning bush of some sort. We want a sign. And God is saying, that's not going deeper in your faith. I need you to trust my word, to trust me. And so here they are, camped. And... Uh, I really love this, uh, this story um, as, as it begins to unfold. Now, the Bible says that in Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you can be experienced, 
You can do everything in your power, but if you don't have faith, God's not pleased. He would rather you have nothing and have faith. That's what he's pleased with. Paul made it clear to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that we what? We walk by faith and what? Not by sight. It's difficult, but God calls us to do that. One of the greatest uh, miraculous stories of faith in the modern times is George Mueller. He, he lived almost the whole of the, the 1800s. Born in 1805, died in 1898. And God rescued this man, and at the age of 21 to the day he died in his 93rd year, he was an inspiration to the church of God how to live a deeper faith. George um, had a burden and he started working with the poor and homeless children in England. And uh, within a few years, God led him to organize the most prominent of orphanages that would not only feed and clothe all these orphans, but would educate them. And uh, by the end of his life, he had ministered to over 10,000 orphans with five massive orphan houses in, in England. He managed to uh, support missionaries. They, 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 um, they, they funded Bible translations and tracts. God used this man, and all he did was trust God for the finance. Trust God for the workers, his whole ministry. George prayed and believed God for every single resource. There were some times when he had the children on the table, just like if we were out there and there was no food out there. He had them on the table and they had nothing. And George says it's time to pray to our Father who supplies all things. And he prayed. And there was a knock at the door. They went to the door and a baker had had, had all the supplies of milk and bread because the night before God had impressed on his heart, give it to the orphans. Give it to the orphans. But he teaches us to live in this deeper faith. From the age of 70, now this really, you know, this really just blows me away. From the age of 70 to the age of 87, George Mueller decided to go with God and be an evangelist all over the globe for 17 years. It was enough that he had done all those years uh, with that orphan ministry, but he decided... I'm not finished yet. And by faith, by faith, he evangelized around the world. It's an incredible story. I encourage you to read the life of George Mueller. But there are many accounts that we could go to with this faith, and um, I think Gideon is is a wonderful example how to stir our hearts in faith. And so here we are, camped at the place which they call the Fountain of Goliath. Hmm. 
Isn't that uh, ironic? Because years later, David, by faith, would come and slay Goliath. So here they are at this fountain with 32,000 soldiers. And uh, you know what? God, um, he makes it hard. He makes it difficult. He makes it challenging. Uh, Gideon leaves the, uh, the science lab where the fleece was. And he's invited into God's supernatural maths lab where he would teach him some maths and take him deeper into faith. So having now convinced of his calling and mission and with 32,000 men at his disposal, God looked down on Gideon and gave him, in Gideon's perspective, the worst advice he could ever have been given. God says the people with you, in verse 2, the people with you are too much. They're too much. Now you put yourself in his shoes. There were millions of Midianites. I mean, hundreds and thousands of them. He only had 32,000, and God wants to reduce? God wants to break his numbers down? What did he do? God took away 68.75% of what he had at his disposal. 22,000 gone, just like that. And he's left with 10,000. It gets worse. And so Gideon ends up with 300. The fleece, the reduction, and now the plan of attack. How are we going to do this by faith? The plan of attack. So having graciously answered the flimsy fleece prayers, reduce Gideon's army to a ridiculous 300. God arms him with what? Torches and trumpets. <laughs> we are really ready now to deliver the, the Israelites from the Midianites with torches and trumpets with 300 men. I might as well go home now and die. You know? So Gideon, in his uh, journey of faith, is sitting there with a friend and um, God allows him to sneak into the camp of the enemy. And he takes a friend with him. And God allows him to hear a dream. And the dream was that the man saw uh, this massive uh, loaf falling into the camp and smashing the tent. And, they, and one of them says, this is nothing but, you know, Gideon. Wow. Gideon finally got the message that God wanted him to deliver Israel. So he went back and he took the 300. This was a plan of attack. 100 went over there. 100 went over there. 100 went over there. And at the sound of the trumpet, the next ones would blow their trumpets. And the next one, so you'd all be surrounded with trumpets and lights. And uh, finally, God allowed the enemy to kill themselves. Uh, some of them killed themselves. Others took off. And Israel wrought in a magnificent victory that day, all because Gideon went deeper in his 
faith. And the challenge for us on Resurrection Sunday is will you believe God in your work, in your ministry, no matter how hard it is, in your family, in your marriage, when God gives you a word in your marriage, will you believe God even though she's grumpy or he's annoying? Will you still believe God, his word? So this morning I want to leave you with some, some lessons, some quick lessons to learn and, and for all of us. Here's the first one. I'm not sure if they're up there. Growing deeper in our faith is a priority. It's a priority. If you want to please God while you're still here on planet Earth, you must grow deeper than where you are. Remember the disciples were told to go deeper and they caught something. So we're asked to make it a priority in your life. You and I will never arrive when it comes to faith. We will always be at a place where we need to grow in our faith and get deeper. So it must be a priority. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Um, I think one of, one of the recent stories I, I um, heard uh, was of a pastor called Harvey Carey. I mentioned it to Joe. A pastor called Harvey Carey in the United States. God took him from a well-established, middle-class um, black church uh, and, and took him all the way to Detroit where it was poverty-stricken and a lot of gangs were running rife and it was dark. It was a dark place. But God called him to this place and his wife was in agreement. She says, yes, I believe God has called us to this ministry. And um, before they left for this ministry, Pastor Kerry, who was an associate pastor at this other church, Pastor Kerry um, simply out of and a simple uh, going to eat some chicken, uh, and they love chicken. Uh, he ate and overate, I suppose, but he got sick. And he got sick and he got worse and he got worse and he got worse to the point that the doctor says, you have to take him home. I'm sorry. You have to take him home. We, there's nothing more that we can do. We've run test after test. We don't know what's wrong with him. He began to lose weight and, and, and he just lying on a hospital bed in a separate area of the house, waiting to die. And um, the senior pastor came around as part of his uh, uh, heart to, to support the family, came around this particular time and says, hey, you know what, uh, I, th I think we need to be real about this and be practical. I've, um, Harvey's on the bed, hospital bed, and he can hear everything. <laughs> and they're talking, you know, and he can hear everything. And, and, and the senior pastor is saying, you know, we need to, you know, Book, book that center for he's been a blessing to our church. He's been a blessing to so many people. We need to book it and be prepared to bury our, our, our beloved friend. So I've, I've booked it for four weeks because we don't know, you know. And he's sitting there going, man, I'm alive. They're, they're planning me to die and I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> and, but his wife said, no, 
I didn't ask you to book. We don't want you to book. God called my husband to Detroit. And I believe that God called my husband to Detroit. And so he's either going to get up after a miraculous recovery and we're going to Detroit, or he's going to die and God's going to raise him from the dead. But we're going to Detroit. And so she believed with Harvey God's word and, and to, within God's will, lining up with God's will, Harvey recovered and he was able to go and start the ministry in Detroit. She made it a priority in her life to have faith that would please God. Secondly, God will do the unexpected. Do you, do you agree that what happened to Gideon was unexpected? 32,000 to 300, that's ridiculous. And so God will do the unexpected and unexplainable to drive us to himself and learn once again that we cannot accomplish anything without him. That's why I appreciated Jono's prayer for Joe when I was standing behind you know, them and, and Jono was praying for, for Joe and uh, it was pretty clear what he was, was praying. Help, Lord, help him, help our pastor to realise that it's not in himself to do what he's doing, but to drive him, drive him to, to you, Lord. And so God will do the unexplainable and the unexpected to actually drive this home in our hearts. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He, um, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The old hymn, The Rock of Ages, includes these lines. Not the labour of my hands can fulfil thy law's demands. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress, helpless, look to thee for grace. When it comes to our walk with God, until we come to the place of trusting his hand, his guidance, his power, his purposes, his agenda, not ours, his agenda, his undertaking, his way of doing things. We will always carry about Gideon's questions. Well, where is he? And where are his miracles? And besides, the Lord has abandoned us. We will always be in that space, always until we come to the place where we will trust him by simple faith. The third thing, faith grows deeper in the testings and in the trials that we face, not in the mountaintops and in the overflows that we enjoy. Can I say that once again? Faith grows deeper in the testings and in the trials that we face, not in the mountaintops and overflows that we enjoy. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, 6 and 7, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, 
If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being much more precious than of gold which is tried by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus. Can I have a couple up here, a married couple? Just anybody, a married couple, but make sure the wife has the ring on her hand. Just want to indicate who's married to who. <laughs> so let me just say, um, uh, Karis and Jono, uh, married couple. And I take it after 10 years, you know, in spite of all the difficulties and troubles, you still cherish each other and you still value each other. <laughs> oh, forget it, I'm going home. <laughs> Great example. Great. <laughs> So here we are, and look, um, Karis, you've got a ring on here. Can you take it off for me, please? No, well, no, just one. And how precious is this to you? Seriously, how? no jokes. Is, is that important to you? Okay, so that's important to her. But you know what? Peter says, ah, throw it away. Open the door and just chuck it away. Why? Why would God say to do that? Because... The tough stuff that these two go through and every other couple go through as a married couple is more precious than that. It's more precious because it's the proof of their faith that they're going deeper. Now, you better take this off me before I go to eBay next week. Um, <laughs> but thank you. It's more precious. He says that all the gold is not as precious as the trials and difficulties we go through. That is the proof of our faith. So faith grows deeper in the tough stuff that we go through. I could spend all afternoon talking about the tough stuff that God has taken me through. Um, I'll give you one example of my own life. I have applied to so many jobs in my life. And I've been rejected more times than I've been accepted. And all those rejections hurt, disillusioned, wondering where, where are you, God? Where are your miracles to give me that opening, that opportunity? And yet God continued to test me for the proof of my faith, which was much more precious than Karis's ring. Finally, Growing deep in our faith will not... Don't you love that when Joe preaches, you know? When he says, finally, brethren. <laughs> I can tell. No, So growing deep in our faith will not only produce fruit in our lives, but as the Lord Jesus promised Peter and the rest, you will influence people to find salvation. You will influence people. That was a, was a significant moment when Jesus says to Peter after he told him to go deeper, he got the catch. Jesus says, listen, from now on you will catch men. The priority is no longer what you do. The priority is who you will reach on my behalf. So Luke 5.10 says, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men and, and, you know, people. You will be catching people. 
there'll be a higher calling in your life as you go deeper in your faith. I want to close with a, a, a little story about a, a, a man named Matthew Barnett. Matthew um, grew up in his father's church and under his covering, made his commitment to Christ in that ministry. And um, the time came for Matthew to grow deeper in his faith and to launch out on a new plant of the church his father had. So Matthew Barnett um, arrived in Los Angeles and to take up this church plant. And you know what was on his heart? Because he had seen what God had done on his, uh, in his father's life. Because his father's ministry was huge. Not because it, there was anything about his father, but there was everything about his father's father. And so Matthew, Matthew got it, that God could do something big with your life. And so Matthew arrived in Los Angeles and at some stage he went and he began to walk the streets of Los Angeles. And it was on his heart, Lord, Lord, I want to build a big church for you. I want to build a big church for you. That was on his heart. Wanted to see people saved and the pews filled and, and God moving. The Holy Spirit whispered in his heart, I don't want you to build a big church. I just want you to build people. Leave the church for me. I don't want you to build a big church. I just want you to build people. And Matthew did that. And out of that heart rose the ministry um, that he is still involved in today, the Dream Center. And the Dream Center has gone to Auckland. It's gone to other places around. And it's all about taking in those who are less fortunate and giving them value in life, both, both practically but especially spiritually. And, and thousands and thousands of people have found a significant place on earth because of that ministry. All because he decided to go deeper in his faith and build people and not worry about the size of the church. So this morning, the challenge is, will we agree with God that we need to go deeper in our faith and just simply believe him? Believe him as young young adults and, and, and young families. Believe that God will, will, will move you to where he wants you to be. And will those who are older and aunties and uncles and granddads believing that uh, there are times where you just got to leave your kids and your grandkids and step back and just pray for them and believe that God will do the rest. It is this partnership with God of, of just simply going deeper in your faith because it pleases God when we make that choice. Let's agree with God. Heavenly Father, you know every one of us here this morning. And even as we go um, away from this place, we're going to be challenged and it's going to be hard. But remind us, Lord, of this story. Remind us of the resurrection story of, of that conversation on the Emmaus Road where these two men started off sad 
And then at the end of the story, they're saying to each other, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us by the way and as he opened to us the scriptures? Father, I pray, be gentle on us as we make this journey. Be gracious as we slip up and fall down and and, and get up and, and wipe ourselves and get moving again. But help us to come to the place where we are pleasing you, not because of what we've done, but because we simply believe your word and take it by faith. Thank you for this uh, uh, magnificent and amazing group of people here from GCC. And uh, I cannot wait to hear what you're going to do in their lives, Lord. The stories that will come not because of them, but because that they chose to go deeper in their faith. And we say this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah.